This is the Earth Regenerators Podcast. Welcome back to the Earth Regenerators podcast. I'm Tyler Ruby. I'll be your host this week. And today I'm with Tanya Falconer and Ceci Restrepo, who both uh, are Barichara weavers in this community. And I'm very excited to sit down and talk with uh, both of them. So uh, I'd like to just start off with the, with the basics here. Um, you know, who are you and what is your background? How have you kind of gotten to the regenerative uh, life, if you will? Hi, Tyler. Hello. Hi, Stephen. Nice to be here. Um, my background, I am, well, I was born in Mexico City back in the 70s and I studied geography in the UNAM, Universidad Nacional Autónoma de México, and I was always interested in, in the issues of environment and also all that has to do with animals. So since I was a little kid, I just really connected with the fact that we were killing animals to eat them. And I didn't feel that was nice regenerative practice to do, even though I didn't have that term back then. <laughs> and uh, how did I get into regenerative practices? I, I think it has to do also with that that led me to work in environmental and social organizations for a long time, for about 20 years, until uh, I felt that my heart was not there anymore because I was not feeling that I was contributing. So I decided to quit and started studying things that I was passionate about, like all, all about whole foods, plant-based. I certified myself in the T. Colin Campbell Center for Nutrition Studies and the, the, the Cornell University. And all that has to do with veganism, activism, and nonviolent communication. And also found that I didn't want to live in the city anymore. So Ceci and I decided that it was time to leave the city. And we have very good friends here in Baichara who are doing regenerative and social networking and weaving work. So we decided to leave the city and come during the pandemics. <laughs> and it was a radical change but a very much needed and a very, a very good decision. So we are really happy to have, we knew about Joe Brewer and we met him online and started, I started following him in Every Generators and then we are here doing work together. And, and for me, it's not a work, it's not a job, it's, it's like doing what, what inspires me. 
and uh, also connecting with earth, growing food, learning to reforest in a syntropic way, which we will probably talk about it later. Mm-hmm. So that's all. Yeah, that's great. I, I feel like I have a, you hear a common story of people who their heart is sort of called towards regenerative work, but they begin in these sorts of uh, more institutional capacities before they move into more of this uh, on the ground work like you've done in Barachara. So what is it about like uh, being at an institution or a, a university or doing something like that that's different than the work that you're doing in Barachara? In my case, it was more like, a, how do you say, office work. I traveled a lot, a lot, a lot. That, that was the best part because I studied geography too, just to go around the world. <laughs> that was my romantic idea of geography. But then, and I did, I did. I had many chances to travel the world, uh, low budget. <laughs> and um, those works, those jobs, which were great, which were United Nations Environment Program, then the IUCN in Costa Rica, I was there six years. And then back in, back in Mexico City with a German left-wing foundation, which is Rosa Luxemburg. I learned a lot, but I, I think that I wanted to do the things that we were supporting. Mm-hmm. Like, I had that experience of, of being in the side of, of the, like, the big organizations and then I had the chance to be in the foundation, the ones that give the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels really different. And, and then hmm, I met so many great people doing things like, um, how do you say it, like concrete, tangible. Yeah. There were also things that were very hard that were human rights uh, defense and land and territory defense which was really hard to experience and i felt that i was getting myself like a little bitter in my soul (laughs) and i didn't want to 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 keep on that anymore and on the other side it was like my passion is veganism and what veganism can contribute to the world, to the to the regeneration of, of the of the world, to the regeneration of our soul, of our health, if we go to the to the side of the plant-based healthy eating that I know is, you know, it's a different perspective. But I combine everything and I think it's it's a needed combination mm-hmm. so that's for me that was it like it's it's a very different thing that doing the things yeah it's it's the on the ground the sort of the embodied action that you get when doing these sorts of projects that are just you really it's hard to replace i feel like um i guess it would be nice to talk about a little bit what what have you been doing in, in bari char mm. as far as these on the ground projects um mm-hmm. what has been the most impactful or meaningful for you <laughs> first months like were 
kind of just getting to know the territory, getting to know the people, getting to make connections and, and just observing. And then I think it was about time to just, it was just the universe weaving what what we were dreaming about. Like we wanted to like do things that have to do with with earth, with with people, with all what I already told you. Um, and we started just connecting, participating in meetings that we were invited by, by our friends, by Ivona and Natalia, who have been key in our, I just say in English, like our weaving in the networks of the community. That has been really key and we appreciate that very much. And also how Joe and all the people here have uh, embraced us, have received us with a lot of love. And then we started this process of researching what can we do because the soil here is so depleted, the deforestation is so bad due to cattle and to tobacco plantations and monocrops and whatever, that we started researching and we got into the information of um, Fukuoka, one, uh, one straw revolution, and then that led me to syntropic agriculture. Mm. And Cezzy and I were like, oh, what is this? We have to get to know this. We have to go to Brazil. We have to get someone to come here or give, give us a, a workshop. And, and then the universe again colluded <laughs> 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 to a woman that is Manuela, who already had connected with a professor of syntropic agriculture who is Colombian and who learned directly with Erzgos and uh, Enrique Sousa in Brazil because he's Colombian but he he grew up basically in Brazil mm. Paco Paco Castrillon and she invited us to just organize a workshop a first workshop and we went there yes we need to do that and then that led to another and to a really close relation with, with Paco, who's really dear person, really loving and caring. And, well, we are just amazed of how the universe has been co uh, just weaving, like you say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that led me also to understand that it was about time to start sharing why does it make sense to to go vegan in the midst of this collapse that we all know about like the the climate change the all all, all the things that are happening and um it didn't make sense to me to be reforesting and regenerating and going one step forward there but hundred steps backwards if we don't address the main cause, the leading cause of deforestation and 
climate change and well and also chronic disease pandemics that is due to the way we eat so that's that's i think that the way it has been just connecting in a very organic and natural way and i really love it because i have had also time to study to just get into the journeys with the regenerators and go study with other um, great masters like Friedrich Capra, which I'm taking now the Capra course, and Jeremy Lind, and other really great people. Yeah, that's, that's really wonderful. It sounds like that, yeah, you've, you've had a lot of great connections over the years. I'd just like to back up a bit and talk more about centropic agroforestry. I think it's such a powerful sort of sort of a principle. So, what exactly is centropic agroforestry, and you know, what does it mean for a system to be centropic? Mm. Sort of those basic questions. Mm. It's, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can make up like a uh, how do you say a short version of that, but mm. I will try to do my best. Uh, Syntropic agriculture was, is a term that was coined by Ernst Gosch, who is a Swiss scientist who used to work in genetics back in Swiss, Switzerland. And, and doing these seeds genetic modification <laughs> until he started like realizing that he was trying to just imitate or, 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 or how do you say, when you, when you try to sup, um, superar, um, supersede, supersede is like going like better, crazy. better than nature. Mm -hmm. And he realized that was a stupid thing to do. Mm -hmm. So he quit and started traveling the world, went to Costa Rica and then started learning from indigenous cultures indigenous peoples and then he went to Brazil and bought uh, 500 hectares land that was depleted that was like a desert and started applying what he learned with the science that he had already and it's he, he started developing the principles of the syntropic agriculture which the, the, the term syntropic is like the opposed of the entropy, which is the chaos and the disorder, and syntropic, syntropy is like the natural order of, of the systems. And it's based on unconditional love and cooperation. So that's the beauty of it. Like the principles are, and Ceci will tell me about it. <laughs> That is the stratification, which is the need of, uh, of the light of the, of the different uh, varieties of plants. Maximize the needs of the photosynthesis. Not the point escuchar. Maximize Maximizing of the photosynthesis. Um, the density of, of the species, the diversity of the species in the system and also the covering covering like that's ah uh, yeah because the covering is like never leave 
soil uncovered with organic matter because that's an open wound. And the other one is the strategic management of the system, which is the pruning and the weeding, it's called the weeding. And, uh, and he started doing that and doing that. And after 30 years, he has reforested completely, completely uh, regenerated that, that land. And he recovered 17, ¿cierto? 17? Uh, water sources or rivers or uh, nacientes, no sé cómo se dice naciente, it's like a, a spring or water spring. So people started noticing that the people around didn't think, he, he, they, they thought he was crazy doing what he was doing, like you are doing exactly the opposite of agriculture and blah, blah, blah. And when they saw that he managed to do that, it's the results that counted. Like people started getting interested and he, he shared and he keeps sharing, like giving workshops of, of that more in a practical way. Like it's, that's the way you learn. And that's what we have been finding out. Like the, the, the most learning comes when you practice the technique. And do and do the things and start realizing that it takes a lot of knowledge of nature also not knowing the plants knowing what are the needs and the, what a plant offers to the system and how to combine them to create a system that works amazingly and no without species these, compete without the insecticide without external input like no toxic chemical fertilizers. You don't need that. You need just that, like a crotch in the beginning, like just a little impulse, a little boost at the beginning, but then you don't need anything of that. And it's an emphasis of not needing animals there. People have been using animals after learning that technique, but in the syntropic technique, they don't allow animals in the system and they don't promote animals in the system uh, so yes domestic like cows goats chickens or any of those yeah that's, that's that's fascinating so there's a lot of different questions you could take that i guess i'm wondering so why what what are the, the i know you've touched on some of this but the the advantages of, of the syntropic system versus traditional agriculture mm. i imagine there. <clears throat> Typically, under like the the traditional approach, you just you apply pesticides, you apply herbicides. You know, you just you just only plant the plants that you're trying to grow. Mm -hmm. um, why is that not a, a good way of approaching it? Doesn't that maximize the food for for consumption? What, mm. what is what is the sort of because response it, to that? I think we have been lied to with, with the green revolution <laughs> that we that we saw that monocrops and fertilizers and GMOs and all that with the with the argument that there was way too more people to feed and that we needed that to feed the people. But I ask, like, how can we manage to feed 70 billion land animals without counting the, the sea and the, and, the, and, the, and the marine life that are meant to, 
to, to feed people. Uh, but we cannot manage to feed 8 billion humans. So that didn't make sense to me. Like, it's, it's nonsense. So that lie for me is like, see what had happened, what has happened to, to the agricultural land in the, in the course of the years. And we have depleted soils, we have polluted soils, we have polluted uh, uh, underground water uh, how do you say, uh, sources. Mm -hmm. We have um, climate change, <laughs> and we have uh, mostly for feeding animals to feed some humans, because those animals don't feed all the humans. It's a, a very inefficient use of the land, as far as I understand. And and uh, the other thing is that it's very expensive for a peasant to. It's very expensive for a peasant to buy all those inputs like fertilizers and uh, also the 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 thing of the GMOs, right? Like. You have to buy the seed along with the right fertilizer, otherwise you will get nothing back. Like you will get the plagues, and that's another thing in the syntropic system. We don't consider plagues as plagues. <laughs> there are no plagues. They are indicators that something is not balanced. There's a disbalance that is obviously like. If you introduce some things that are not properly taken care of or that they don't get the right nutrients, there, there will be ants or there will be some insects that will take care of that. So that's amazing. That's really, I think, a, a really, I don't know, loving and caring way to connect with nature and not trying to destroy everything that we think it's an enemy because there's no enemies here. There are no enemies. And uh, I know that some, some, well, many, many, many local peasants and, and people that are even in permaculture see us like, what are you doing? Why are you planting so many seeds? What are you planting so densely? What are you doing? That's not the way to go. But there's not one way to go. We have seen that. Like, and now that they see the results, they are just like going, okay, it is working. And we have local people now applying that technique in their own land. And there are a lot of other like look at people that took the, the the first workshop and the second workshop who are really applying all the principles and they are getting results. And it's faster. Too. It's faster, yes. Let me say that Ceci don't doesn't want to talk. <laughs> she wants me to talk and, and so so that you don't think that I'm stealing the time of Ceci. <laughs> <laughs> should talk when she doesn't want to okay That's okay. it's faster it's way faster we you you, you could see it like you mm. saw the garden and mm. and we started there on the second workshop that was focused on on food like 
I was going to say fast food, but <laughs> it is not. It, it is fast food, but it's it's a it's a healthy fast oh, food <laughs> because we got like in thirty days we got some things and we started harvesting, and now after two months, two months and a half, we start seeing the corn growing, which is amazing because it's like about three meters yeah. long, tall. And the, the peasants are like, wow, 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 this is working. They are, yeah, and we are happy <laughs> to see that. Yeah, that is great. <laughs> I'll just say, yes, I, I visited the, the second system and it was about a month old and it was already grown so much. And then I came back about a month later and yeah, the, the corn is like, eight feet high mm -hmm. if you're on the American system. <laughs> I mean, I was extremely impressed. It, yeah. it was amazing. And yeah. uh, I mean, I, I, learning about some of this is really, it's really been mind blowing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's just wonderful to see this. Mm. Um, could you maybe walk through just some of the basics of, of how, you know, you decide which plants to plant together or, or what roles mm -hmm. different plants play mm -hmm. and, and how does that mean, how you maintain the system over time? Okay. For the, for the first one that is in the Bioparque, which is also beautiful, and and uh, we were fo focusing more on the reforesting aspect. So we started thinking about climax species, like the ones that are going to be big trees in the in, in the time. But we used, mainly we, we, we focused on how to man, maintain low cost because you, you still need to do a lot of work. You still need to go and cover and go and prune and go and it takes a, a lot of time and, and, and a lot of hands to do that. So how do you optimize that? And then... Well, we planted cactus, lots of different types of cactus, which are great to absorb water and retain water. And those are the ones that are giving water to the species that need water in times, in dry times, right? We started thinking about the, the, the many stages of the system. So you have one, one plant that grow faster than others that need more light than others, but then you need the protection of the ones that are growing faster. So they give shadow to the ones that are going to be the big trees. So it's amazing because it's, it's like a school where all the grades are mixed. And the world they do is the Exactly, that's a, the, 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 the roots. The roots and the, the the specific role that each species has in not only on the ground but in the in the top, like the nutrients they provide, the nutrients they need also. So it's a cooperation. So we decided that together with Paco, with the professor, and it's an amazing way to to design that because they. He draws and also says he had a, a really important role there to improve the methodology and the 
contents of, of the workshop so that the next workshop was really mind-blowing, more mind-blowing than the first one. So the designs are really beautiful ones. I can show you, well... Well, we don't uh, have visuals on the uh, podcast, <laughs> unfortunately. But you can post uh, sure. some design of the, of the system. But so that you know that there are about, in, in the Bioparque, like, what, 30 species, more or less? And there's lines that are meant to be for biomass production with species that grow fast and that you prune and then you leave all that there to cover. So you get everything there. And then you have other lines that are meant for those species that are going to be the big trees or the medium trees. And, and then in the garden, in the community garden, it was a way very different design, right? Like it was meant for food. So you have a two, a two months food. Uh, short term. Short term, yeah. Like lettuce, cilantro. You have uh, rugula, radish. Tomato, corn, cucumber. cucumber. Have the hugest cucumbers ever. <laughs> like, amazing, amazing. Mix it with some big trees. And some big trees that are providing also other type of, of nutrients, shadow, um, biomass. So in the in the community garden, we have about I, we counted and it was I think it's more than forty species, different species. So in a space. In a 15 per 15? 15 per 15 or 20, 20 per 15 meters. Wow. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's, that's, that's impressive. So you have this sort of, the basic principle seems to be that you're working with nature rather than against nature mm. to sort of inculcate this this rapid production of, of both food crops for human consumption, but also the agroforestry idea is that you're also creating a sort of forest system to allow for biodiversity and support all that as well. Can you speak to that end of the, of the process? Exactly. What, what, one, well, the, the three or four main objectives there is, yes, reforesting. Yes, having food is, because you're doing this for, for humans, but also for, for just restore the connection with nature, right? So, and then restore water watersheds. And the other one is regenerating the soil that has been so depleted. And it's amazing how you see the soil, like in the Bioparque, which was, <clears throat> the workshop was in April, like the end of April. You do this, like digging, in the, in the lines a little bit, like putting your hands and, and, and grabbing the, the soil. And it's so amazing how the, the, the soil has changed. Now it smells like almost like, like forest. And in the, in the garden, it's starting to happen the same. So you provide the right conditions for future systems that are going to be more nutrient demanding and more uh, like a rich soil, demanding richer soils. 
So you start preparing that to reforest and regenerate, and then you have food, and everything is happy, <laughs> and everyone is happy. <laughs> wow! Yeah, that sounds like the, the the whole package there. It's just a it really powerful. It's amazing technique. That's one of the most important things that Ceci is reminding me. Like the the community networking and weaving is also uh, strengthening, right? Because more people is wanting to be part of that community. Because we started, like, uh, the girls started that garden two years ago, a little bit more, two, two and a half years ago. We arrived one and a half year ago, and uh, they started with around 30 families during the pandemics, and then uh, people started like losing interest when when they saw that not okay. They they had some crops, but nothing really like big as they expected. So many people started like leaving and started losing interest, <clears throat> but there were. Three brothers that remained like very, very constant and very steady, along with with Yvonne, Natalia, and the, the owners of the land, the the, the, the the people that lend the land for the for the garden, who are Paul and Emerita and their son Alejo, who have been really key also in this process, and uh, Ceci and I adopt. Also, some some uh, how do you say when you joined? Mm. <laughs> we joined, and it's so much different to be here right now, looking at those results than it was like one year and a half ago. That was only going to 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 bring water to the to the plants, and then not really seeing very much results. And then we tried also permaculture and all those uh, mm, fertilizers done with many different things that take a lot of work, a lot of money, a lot of effort. For me, it's about making life simpler, easier. So syntropic for me is that it's not that you don't that you are not going to work. Yes, you, you need to. It's obvious. But then you start seeing that nature does her own work. And and you don't need to add anything like invented to just make her work. Like she knows what to do. If yeah. you leave her, <laughs> do her thing and cooperate. Yeah, that, that's that's really really quite wonderful. I mean, can a centropic agroforestry system provide all the sorts of nutrients for for a healthy human living? Um, and I know you mentioned the, the animals are not a part of that the system necessarily. Can mm. you speak to that a bit? What what is the uh, how how does the centropic system relate to to the an, to animal providing food? You yeah, mean providing food? Yeah, for well, as far as we have seen and researched, yes. And you can also ask Paco when, when you meet him. You, you met him, right? 
I will meet him this week, I think. Yes, you will meet <laughs> Looking him. Looking forward and, and, to it. And you can also can promote an interview with Paco, <laughs> that he can really go deeper in your questions. But we have seen amazing results that they live with, and, and they also provide, the, the system also provides food for many other people, many other families that are around. So that's our intention. And, and I see something that we, we enslave animals, but we also enslave to the systems that are enslaving animals because we have to dedicate a lot of work, a lot of effort. We cannot go out if, if we have animals to take care of or we have to pay a lot of money to people to do that job. And now there are no people that want to do that job because it's a really hard work to do. There's also, it's, it's easier to find people, even if it's not easy, it's easier to find people that wants to work the soil and plant and grow food and harvest than it is to find people that wants to take care of animals. At least here, I don't know in the US or in other places, but here at least we have found that many people don't, don't, don't find uh, help for that, even paid, paid workers. So I think it's also a matter of realizing that Mother Nature gives us everything that we need to be healthy, to thrive, to, to be strong, to, to be, to, 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 I don't know, just to also reverse all those chronic diseases that are uh, caused by the way we eat like the standard American diet imported here and imported in many other, it's, it's, it's not that I'm blaming you, right? But it is the, that way of eating with high saturated fat and, and uh, high levels of salt and, and everything with cheese and with meat. It's not live food. It is, it is food that has pain inside, it's, it's food that makes people sick. And we have seen it. Right now we have the worst pandemic of, of chronic diseases, obesity, uh, heart disease, and, and it's the first killer around the world. And it's due to how we eat. And um, we can reverse that thanks to eating clean, eating colorful, eating what Mother Nature provides us, which is its really amazing to know that she gives us. We have to trust that the system have, has, has made us untrustful of really knowing that we don't need to kill anyone to, to thrive. We are herbivores, true herbivores, but we don't want to believe that until we go to extinction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd like to talk more about the, the veganism because I, I clearly see that's something that you're very passionate about. Um, so, I mean, you've, you've touched on a lot of the topics, but what, why would a person want to go vegan? What, what, are, what are the benefits? I know you've talked about the, the obesity and pandemics and things like that. Mm. Um, you know, why would that be something someone should do or would like to do? Because no one is 
in favor of animal exploitation, as far as I know. If you are uh, uh, in favor of animal exploitation <laughs> consciously, I think you probably are a psychopath. <laughs> like maybe people who, 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 who do that or, or who eat meat don't know really, or, or maybe, may, maybe many of them don't know. We, we don't know what happens inside a slaughterhouse. Slaughterhouse. Sla Say it, please. Slaughterhouse. Slaughterhouse. Yes, Thank that's you. right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a hard one. Many people don't know what happens there. Like, if we knew what happens there, we stopped eating meat and dairy and all, everything related to it. Because animals don't, like, cows don't give you milk. You have to forcefully impregnate that cow to have a calf that will be taken away from their mother the same day they are born in order for humans to have milk that we don't need because we already have our lact lactancy mm -hmm. period, like the first years of life. Yes, yeah. Why would we keep eating and drinking milk of other species? Like, we are mammals as, as they are, like, we don't need that. And chickens, hens don't produce their eggs for humans. Like, that's a, a very egocentric way to treat nature. So veganism, why should anyone go vegan? That, that is the reason why, for love, love, love for life, like vegan for life, vegan for for nature, vegan is really caring about people, is really caring about animals, really caring about Mother Earth. And um, I forgot one thing that I was going to say, like the spiritual aspect as well. Like there is no, I think everyone knows that the greatest spiritual masters and the most intelligent people on earth have been against eating animals and their secretions like that's a th there's a reason why they promoted that lifestyle and, and and has to do with what do you want your body to to be fed of you want your body to be fed of pain suffering and and, and death or you want your body to be fed of life and, and love. So that's another very important aspect of, of veganism. And, and it makes sense if you are a regenerator and earth regenerator to, to, to think about that. It's not, veganism is not about judging people. It's not about, even though I know that many of my colleagues or activists keep keep doing that like pointing and I think that doesn't work I think we have to find ways to communicate in loving caring compassionate ways like really embracing the ahimsa the non-violence principle and uh, thinking that everything is connected we are connected and if we harm others, we are really harming ourselves. We cannot separate that. And we see that in Syntropic. It's 
it's non no brain no brainer like you say like it's a no brainer <laughs> yeah that, that's to me I, I think it's interesting because you we, we don't always hear a lot of discussion about veganism in regenerative circles mm -hmm. um the, the uh, white elephant in the room mm -hmm. so, so i'm just yeah i i'm beginning to see the sort of the conceptual framework you're working with the uh, the idea that you know i mean well how would you speak to that the sort of the, the overlay between regenerative living and veganism and this sort mm -hmm. of spiritual aspect how, how do you see that relate why and why do you think that uh, that's necessary for living a regenerative life? okay we we talk a lot about like saving water and stop polluting and stop like um, using fossil fuels in in regenerative work and also in like I said in environmental organizations, right? But they usually, like you said, don't don't address the fact that animal animal agriculture is the leading cause of water depletion, the leading cause of, of um, global um, greenhouse gas emissions, and the leading cause of ocean dead zones, and the leading cause of... I could go on, Tyler. Like, it's amazing. And it has to go through individual shift of consciousness, individual shift of habits. Because the global doesn't change itself. The global changes or transforms with individual and personal transformation. So I just give you some examples. The, the, the water waste. Mm -hmm. A five-minute shower takes about 100 liters of water. The showers of one person, 30 days, like one month, will be, if, if, you, if you get a shower every day, like 30, it's 3,000 liters. One kilo of cow's meat takes 15, more than 15,000 liters. So that makes up to more than the, the water that one person would used for daily showers during five months. One kilo of meat. Wow. So you just get your own conclusions, right? Like, we stop washing, <coughs> sorry, we stop washing the clothes or we stop uh, getting showers to save water, but we eating the things that are more water wasting. That's one example, right? Like, and about climate change, 51% <coughs> of those greenhouse gas emissions come from animal agriculture. Only 13% come from, from transport, combined like land, air, marine transport. They have made us believe the opposite. And uh, six, 65% of emissions of, of uh, nitrous oxide, which is 300, about 300 times more damaging than CO2, 
comes from animal agriculture as well. And the leading cause of Amazon destruction and the leading cause of, I said already, like uh, species extinction and blah, blah. <laughs> so a plant-based eating, a plant-based diet could lead us, could, could reduce the carbon footprint in 50%, could reduce the, the waste of water in 60% and could reduce the use of soil, of land in 94%. And you can check all those, all those, um, how do you say, the data. Mm -hmm. It's science-based. It's not, it's not my opinion. It's not an opinion. It's not an ideology. It's not a, a, a fashion. It's not a belief even. It's a political posture. It's, it's a life-respecting posture. The and, and the foul has already said that like 50, 40 years ago, the Brundtland um, report said that already, and we didn't even know about that. And they put that report in the drawer and kept with the cops on the climate change, blah, blah, blah. And they, what do they give in those meetings? And, and that's my own experience in those meetings. It's, everything is animal-based, right? For logic, for coherence, should be plant-based. Like, and, and that's that's something that obviously annoys many people because it's no, there's no coherence there. It's walking the talk, and then another example is all these these graphs of land land use for food production. You can you can see it for yourself. Like, twenty-six yeah, percent of the habitable land in the world, which which is really short space actually, is dedicated for cattle and crop production for cattle. And roughly, like, it's amazing, but almost 80% of the crops produced in the world are going to be cattle feed. Or, or animal feed, not, not just cattle, because they give that to fish even, and they, they give that to animals that don't eat that naturally. That could be food for people. So we have an intermediary that is not a really um, uh, energy efficient way to be living, right? And that for me is, has to do a lot with regenerative living. And, and also the, the Global calorie supply is 18 percent is from the from the animal agriculture and, and eighty two percent is from plant based food and then also the global protein supply is comes thirty seven percent from meat and dairy and sixty three percent from plant food based and I'm not inventing those those um, Numbers. I'm, I, I can back up all that. It's science-based. Mm -hmm. Look at that. Yeah. The map is amazing. You can show that later if you want. Sure, we can probably put that <coughs> in the show notes. So yeah, I think mm -hmm. so. To me, I'm, I'm hearing that it's sort of a inner and outer reflection of regeneration, where you have these large-scale, you know, agricultural systems that are doing all this damage to the planet. Plant-based stuff uh, mm -hmm. helps negate some of that. At the same time, it's sort of an inner 
recognition or relation to uh, life, other life beyond beyond human life. So yeah. it's it's sort of this holistic, integrative um, understanding of how, of how to uh, go about living, which I, I think is is really fascinating. Mm. Um, but I, I know there's some people, you know, within regenerative circles, they they, they talk about you know sort of local, small-scale mm. animal agriculture where you have these, these sort of integrated systems where you, mm. you take some of the, the waste product of the animals, it goes back in the system. What, why do you see like that as a problem regeneratively or what, what would you say to those sorts of systems? I have heard that a lot. Like, I, I feel that it's people not willing to leave their traditions and their pleasure. And it's more important to have my, my palate pleasure um, satisfied than the lives of others. If we have already proved by science for a long time actually that we don't need to eat animals and their uh, byproducts to thrive, to be healthy, to be strong, like I mean, the strongest and healthiest people are the ones that don't eat animals and that is the blue zones proven like and you see more and more athletes going plant-based because they end up having more energy having lean bodies like a lot of uh, muscular how do you say that definition definition mm -hmm. bulk whatever mm -hmm. if we don't need that why should we cause harm and pain and suffering to innocent beings like, that's my position, but I, I'm not judging, right? Like, I said again, it's something that has been done for centuries, and even the argument is that our brains evolved with meat, and that has also been debunked already, that they have proven that our brains evolved thanks to starches. So there have been many myths and many lies by the same system that it's linked, that the pharmaceutical, that I call pharmafia, are really interested in having the sick people provided, and even the animal, sick animal, provided by, by, by the way we eat. It's a round business, right? And it's a capitalist round business that is profiting from life and we don't even realize what what's behind like is the, the most it's one of the most profitable businesses both of, of them are and they are linked together like we think that health is taking drugs I mean please really we can be healthy without drugs we can be healthy eating healthy I'm not saying that medicine, uh, medicine improvements are not valuable. Obviously, I would be stupid if I think that. But for many things, it's, it's profit. It's only profiting from life. It's not really, they are not even preventing diseases. They patch, right? And they surgery and surgical procedures which are some many times not needed because it's proven that you can reverse heart disease and reverse all arteriosclerosis with a plant-based diet a whole foods plant-based diet 
But that information obviously is kept like intentionally uh, hidden. So many efforts of, of, of physicians that are really well-prepared people, even mostly in the United States, uh, they have done really great efforts to promote this information. And I'm really interested in, in also linking with, with physicians. Here we have uh, one great doctor that heals his patients with plant-based food. And I have been linked and connecting with him to, in order to bring that information to people. And I extend it a lot, but I, it, it's, a, it's a big topic. And we really need to research more, to do our own job, to, to really stop repeating lies from the system, system and question, why do I eat how I eat? And it's not only about pleasure. Not everything is about, about pleasure. And you can even eat really delicious food that is plant-based and it's healthy and it's healthier. So I think it's a matter of like comfort. And economic. And yes, yesterday in the workshop that, 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 we, that we gave, we show people, we, show, we showed people that it's even cheaper. Like we, Ceci and myself eat really good. And we spend two and a half dollars per day, per person, eating the way we eat. If we cook. Cooking, yeah. So even for, for local people was a surprise because they spend a lot of money, a lot of money in food that is not health food, actually. Because it's a, a, a lot of, of fried things, a lot of like uh, processed food, highly processed food. So we have to also, I think, uh, question that, question the way we, we relate to our bodies, to our environment, to others, to others meaning others like everyone like animals and not, like animals all animals non-human and human nature it's us like we are part of nature we we see ourselves as separate from nature and that's i think one of the the, the main um problems is that we see nature the, the worldview <clears throat> is seeing nature as a machine to be exploited. And we have to change that. Egocentric and The egocentric view, which is an anthropocentric view of treating nature, has to, has to change, actually, to an ecocentric view, which is like integrating the humans in the system and not feeling that we are superior to to all of, of the living systems, mm -hmm. you know? It's mm -hmm. more like that, considering us not superior, not, we are part of, we are um, supposed to be the guardians. We are supposed to take care of, of, of everyone, of everything. <laughs> we are not doing that as, well, many of us are trying to go that way, right? And again, it's not a judgment. It's not a judgmental position. It's not that I'm pointing, but 
my mission in life, like since I was seven, <laughs> that I saw a dead frozen rabbit in the kitchen. That was my wake up call. That I relate to Peter Rabbit in my childhood books. Um, is that the, the, the thread of life has been cut since childhood and we have to restore that thread of life. The compassionate view and the loving, caring, kind view of life. <laughs> oh, that's very beautiful. Yeah. I... <laughs> so I really, I really uh, detect this as sort of a, a deep spiritual undercurrent to all this. Mm. But how do you relate to that? Is it it's the interconnectedness of life and those sorts of things, or what? What is your sort of relationship to to that? I think it's for me. <laughs> I would say it's the most important one. Because if you are not okay with you, which is the only one that lives there. <laughs> Like, I mean, you are, you are your uh, inhabitant, right? But this is temporal, like the body is temporal. It's just impermanent, like everything is impermanent, but, but the soul. So I know that we are here to learn, we are here to grow, we are here to... But I think that we are here also to be happy, to share love, to not to suffer. Like, and why would we make others suffer? Like, I think we need higher moral standards, right? Like a really higher moral bar than the one we have now. <laughs> like believing that we need to just be blind to everything that happens in, in, in really scary places. That's the reason why we don't see how our food is produced. Because if, if we, like, we, we really don't want to see all those, all, all those documentaries, like graphic content. So if we cannot see that, why would we want to eat that? Right? Like, why would we want our children to eat that? Those beings being killed, right? And, and that's a spiritual aspect, like the, the, the golden rule. Don't do others the, the things that you don't want for yourself, like respecting. And, and I think that that's also something that in vegan activism we need much connecting to the human side of the ones we consider, I, I'm, I'm quoting, right? Because I don't believe that, but it's, it's much um, like a habit there, right? Considering others as enemies. And if we manage to be in the food, in the, in the, in the, in the place of, of the one that is slaughtering the animal, like, or doing the cutting of the tree or whatever. Oof, I think it's a change. It's, it's like there's, there's a story there of life that there's a reason why that person is doing what he or she is doing. And, and I am her, I am him self too.
So, so I think that's, that's part of the spiritual view and not trying to convince anyone because that's lost time. <laughs> right? Because it's not, it's not that I cannot change anyone, I cannot convince anyone. It's just sharing what I, what, what I have learned and sharing my experience and then ah, take a deep breath and, and hope for the best in them and the best transformation. And I wish you the best because for me the best is treating others with respect and love. And I wish the same for you. Much meta, like may all beings be happy, may all beings be, be free, may all beings be uh, peaceful. That's great. That's wonderful. So yeah, I'd like to maybe take us from the, uh, the more of these these lofty feelings that I think are really important to, to, to think about, mm-hmm. and back down to maybe what are you what are you doing for uh, you know your vegan work maybe here in Barichar or beyond, and what are the long term goals you see with that mm. kind of work? Mm. Well, it it was like um, yesterday was a big day for me because I I finally was able to to give the workshop, the, the first workshop after one year and a half of being here and connecting. But I think it was the right time to do it. Because if, if I pretended to do it in the beginning, it's not like, no, no, it's no. I have to go meet people and, and share and, and listen, right? And, <laughs> so I, I, my, my dream and my intention is to keep sharing that, like, like really improving. Yesterday was also an experiment of, of how I felt and how people reacted and what can I improve to make it like more playful and more um, dynamic, right? Because it's, it's hard information to digest. But then we had a space to cook together, so that uh, made it easier, right, for people and for me as well. Uh, that's one aspect, and the other aspect is linking that with syntropic agriculture, linking that to the garden, and showing people what we plant and, and we harvest. How can we prepare and eat that? and rescue the species that uh, the, the grandparents used to eat here, that they stopped eating. That in Mexico, we, we keep that tradition to eat uh, plants that are considered weeds, that are actually not poisonous, that are very nutritious and that are great tasting plants. And here they have them too, but we have to uh, to do a lot of research to to just be sure that they are really edible, <laughs> not intoxicate someone. So I try them first. If I die, okay, it's not edible. <laughs> no, I'm joking, yeah. but but I just I try everything. <laughs> I keep eating it, and, and says he just say no, don't go, no, all the time. Like, <laughs> but I like to do that. Oh, sorry, I'm playing with that. 
um, so researching and sharing and doing more in-person workshops but also my dream is to create online courses because uh, I also think that we need uh, to create um, livelihood there we are we already have some support here and I think it's great and it's really helpful thanks to the Syntropic Agriculture and the and the funds and the links that Joe and, and all of you have created and we appreciate that really really much really much no really a lot <laughs> and linking that also to start creating the center of syntropic agriculture and as long as and uh, along with another dream that I have that is uh, uh, transitioning from from animal agriculture to syntropic agriculture. So a center that provides help and advice to people that want to do that and that sees that it's, it's really working and it's really giving more money and it's really giving more food and it's, I think it's more satisfying to go, I think, I don't know, for me, to go to a garden to harvest food instead of um, picking up the manure, right? <laughs> or, or dealing with, with sick animals, dealing with the fact that you have to sell your animals to go to a slaughterhouse. That's hard. So that's my dream. <laughs> I don't know if Ceci has something to that and I can translate it. <laughs> well, that's a very, very beautiful dream. I really wish mm. you the best of luck. Thank you. Uh, I guess as we're wrapping up here, I'm wondering if there's any resources uh, about maybe syntropic agroforestry, veganism, regeneration in general that you think would be helpful for people, mm -hmm. maybe those who are thinking about approaching veganism or something like that. Any, okay. any resources you, you are, think are particularly powerful? A lot. A lot. I just... I'm a nerd in that sense, like um, the ones that comes to mind. Well, obviously the, the website of, of uh, GOSH, which is Agenda GOSH, and I think it's .org. But if you want, I can send you the, the information and maybe you can post it. I don't yeah, know sure, if, we if can it's, post it, yeah. It's a, uh, That's possible. Possible, okay. Yeah. And for... for uh, Sorry, for that matter, um, there are a lot of documentaries and a lot of resources. One that is beautiful, that I recommend a lot, is Tribe of Heart. It's uh, an organization, a non-profit organization that is doing really great work in um, non-violent communication with the link of veganism and the link of, of, of transitioning. So they have a lot of, of um, um, well, they, not a lot, but they, um, they have documentaries of these transitions, like real stories of, of people transitioning from being cattle ranchers to being just having a sanctuary or having like stopped 
doing that. And it's very inspiring. Another one for, for English speaking people that is also available with subtitles is Vegan Linked, which is a, a channel in YouTube that is really inspiring stories of, of people that have been vegan for 10, 20, 30, 40 years and their stories. And if I remember more, I will let you know. Sure, we can put them in the, in the show notes. Sure. Um, so, oh, nutrition facts. Nutrition so facts. Dr. Gregor's website, which is really good for science-based evidence of, of, of food and everything around it. It's amazing. And he's also a non-profit uh, organization that's uh, a great researcher and a great academic. <laughs> that's great that's mm. useful for mm. sure so is there anything else that you would like to add as we're uh, wrapping up at the end here thank you well, thank you for, <laughs> for calling both of you Tanya for the space. and yes. it was really good to, yes. to be talking to you and being here it has been great to meet you well it's been great to meet Sharing. both of you too <laughs> thank you very much thank you for being here and uh, thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time on the Earth Regenerators podcast this podcast is a decentralized platform for the regenerative community. Anybody on Earth Regenerators can propose or record their own episode. So if you're already on Earth Regenerators, contact Jacob Seidler if you have an idea for a future interview or audio essay. And if you're not on there yet, come and join us for regular learning journeys on the pathway to regeneration, inspiration from the many regenerative projects reporting there, and a wonderful community woven around mutual support. Just enter Earth Regenerators into your search engine and find a website or follow the link in the description. Let's regenerate the earth. <laughs>